Kiravaki. Viliyami Kikau Kiravaki. Now that means welcome. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Bulla, bulla, bulla is what I say to this man every day. So welcome team. As you know, when I say team, I want the listeners to feel like I would treat any team member, which is to bring to you people who are at the top of their game. And I'm bringing you today Viliyami Kikau, who uh, you could say he's at the top of his game, but I actually believe he's got further to go. But right now uh, in the rugby league world, he is at... The pinnacle, you could say, is being a full-time professional player, plays for his country, uh, terrorises opposition. And uh, I'm going to try to talk a little bit Fijian here, Kicks. First of all, thanks for coming on, by the way. No worries, H. Thanks for having me. Uh, Kicks, you know I, I always talk about three rules. The first rule, do you know what to do? How do I say this? Or... Okay. O kila beka nakama nakamo nakamo kakava. So do you know what to do? Yes. Viliyama Kiku knows how to play rugby league. Do you have the resources to do it? E tiku veiko nai wuriburi. Oh, I might struggle with that one, Kiku. E tiku ve Iku na vuri vuri. Vuri vuri, yeah. Okay. Number three, my most important rule. So actually, back to that. Do you have the resources to do it? Viliyama Kikau, just <coughs> Google him. You understand he has the resources to do it. He has the physique, the body. He's 118 kilos of ripped, raw powerhouse machine with Blessed, absolutely blessed with genetics that people could train 10, 20 years to get and they can't get what you've got kicked. So you definitely tick off, do you have the resources to do it? Number three, do you really want to do it? How do I say that? O vinakata dina beka mo vakava. O vinakata dina beka mo vakava. And... You always give me evidence that you want to do it. How do I say evidence? Ivaka dina dina. Ivaka dina dina. How did I go? I went really good. I went good? good. There was some good pigeon was there too. Okay, so what I want to do is share with the listeners. Like you definitely know what to do. Uh, You definitely have the resources to do it. I, I want to go back to... You, and also, you always show me you really want to do it, but I want to go back to when you were a kid, when you were that young kid playing rugby league, rugby union, I dare say you probably played a bit of in Fiji. Somewhere along the line, you really wanted to do this. Can you take us back to when you were a young child in Fiji, what it was like growing up, when you dreamed of being a rugby league player? And, and let's just take, take the listeners on a journey. Yeah, thanks. It's um, obviously I was born in little my little hometown. It's called uh, Nosori. I was born in uh, Nosori Maternity Hospital, 1995. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, back in the village, um, and um, yeah, obviously I think same experiences all the island boys. There was um, struggle uh, struggles along the way. Um, but yeah, sort of picked up um, 
the passion of wanting to play rugby um, since I was a little kid. Obviously, Fiji was well known for, for sevens and every little Fijian kid, you ask them back home right now who's who's the number six for the Fiji sevens team, they'll tell you his full name and that, that was one of the big things uh, for us little kids growing up. We knew all the sevens players back then. Uh, we could name them uh, number by number and um, that's I think where we got the passion and we just play footy uh, whenever we find like a little fuel uh, little fuel we'll find a bottle fill it up with grass so it's a bit heavy so we'll use that as a football if there's no football so we hardly you hardly can get football as well back in the village so fill up grass in the little water ball and then we just use this as a football and yeah we just go with it Great memories, hey? That must be... Oh, I just wish there was a, a video of a documentary in the making of Viliami Kikau playing in the fields with bare feet, filling a water bottle up with grass, playing footy, <laughs> with a smile on your face. You're always smiling when you play footy. Really it makes you it. happy, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things... Obviously, I wasn't really great at inside the classroom, so... Yeah, some, some days really struggling in the classroom. Just can't wait for that bell to ring in the afternoon so you can get outside and train with the boys in or just play footy, throw around the footy. And and when it's raining, that's the best time back home to play. Just slide around and, yeah, it's, it's a really fun time. How good. So you, you still go back to Fiji now and you mentioned sometimes you didn't even have a ball to play with. Uh, you, you go back now and give young kids I know you take footy boots back home you take shoes back home you take balls back home do you yeah um, after this season I just collect whatever I can collect um, I really know because I grew up um, looking for footy boots looking for football uh, kicking tea even if you give a little kid a kicking tea that means everything to him back home even though he doesn't kick it's just having that kicking <laughs> just tea just having the tea yeah <laughs> so yeah when I go home I just get boots and you know even anything socks um, you know training shorts they 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 treat it as goal if you give them that uh, if you give them um, sometimes I go back home I distribute my training shorts and that and you can just see their face lighten up and you know because I know because I've been there uh, I know the feelings so it's, it's a really great feeling as a little kid I've always wanted looked up to heaps of um no heaps of Fijians that play rugby, uh, play rugby league when they come back home and even if I watch them, when they go back to Fiji and give out stuff, in my head, I didn't really um, know that I was going to get to that state, but I just in my head I was just thinking that would be the maddest feeling uh, to get to where they are, achieve something and always give back to the next generation. So, so now you have made uh, the highest level and you have played for your country now, how does it feel that kids now, like you said, if when you were young, if someone said who wore the number six or who wore the number 10 or like you would know their name, how does it feel knowing now that basically you're the king of Fiji now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say the king of Fiji, but um, yeah, when I'm walking along the streets of Suva, uh, you know, buses passing by, Mini bus or taxi, you can just hear people calling out kicks. I don't even know that 
that was my name in school, but you know, people just saying, hey, you can just hear these little kids saying, hey, it's kick out, kick out, kick out, and they pop their head out. So yeah, it's a great feeling. Uh, you've always, I always want to go back and give back to those little kids. I think just for me personally, because I've been through that and I didn't really had much growing up to get to where I am now. I'm really, really blessed and. All I've wanted to do is to be a blessing for those little kids. That's awesome, mate. I, I love listening to your story and I, 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 want, I do, I really, really want to come back to Fiji with you one day. But for now, what advice would you have for any of these uh, young kids? I mean, to be honest, a lot of the young kids may not listen to my podcast. A lot of people listening to my podcast are the coaches and the teachers and the trainers. So. Yep. If they can share a kick-out story to kids, what advice is that? What what helped you get from that kid that was just loving playing in the park to where you are now? What what advice do you have? Well, I think it was just um, for me personally. Um, it was all the sacrifices I did. So I lived in um, our house was maybe like nearly an hour bus ride to my high school so I went to Morris Brothers High School after Queen Victoria School and the long rides in the morning is just those sacrifices and in the afternoon I'll catch the second bus in the morning quarter to six and I'll catch the last bus home eight o'clock so yeah sometimes I go home and the dinner is everyone's at dinner everyone's nearly going out to bed I just have my shower and I'm still in there's school. no food left I was left. back in school yeah just a <laughs> little bit of food left um, and I go back home I'm too tired to heat up my food because we don't even have microwave so we have to put it back in a pot and yeah yeah you gotta go gas stove turn it on all that so I just have my dinner cold um, I'll go to sleep wake up the next morning everything that's that's all my routine and Sometimes when I'm really at my lowest and I just think about all the stuff that I've put my body through and I'm thinking I can't, can't really go back there and do the same. I can't give up now. That's I've fantastic. done all the sacrifices. So, yeah. so the sacrifices are what, what I see as evidence how bad you really want it and it was in you back then, you really wanted it and then you made a sacrifice to come to Australia quite young, moved out of home and moved to Australia. Is that right? Tell us that journey. How old were you? I was um, 19, 19 years old. and uh, Oh, so you were ready. You were ready to yeah, be a I young was, man. Yeah, sort of used to, I'm always used to out of, out of home because I went to a boarding school, yeah. high school, so I was a bit used to not like at home, but that was a different feeling coming to Australia. I couldn't really like, Nearly didn't last two nights. Yeah, it was just in my... I stayed with this beautiful family. Um, they were my homestay up in Townsville. We still get in contact now. We really know each other well, so stayed in that house. The first night, I was just bawling my eyes out in my room because I hardly could speak English. It was just a yes and a no for me. And I was just thinking about when I wake up in the morning, how would I say good morning? How would I ask for breakfast or anything so I was all this running in my mind so that was so you were crying that night first yeah, night yeah I cried crying first night mind. second night I cried as well uh, it was this I thought it was I thought actually thought that I was going to be alright 
because of boarding school. But then, yeah, I think it was just, um, yeah, it was culture shock and everything was just different, different environment, different language. And yeah, you could ask my homestay family, they, when they hear, they hear me now talk English, they, they always laugh and you know, because they always remember when I rocked up there, hardly said a word. So. What are you doing? Well, how old are you now? 24, turning 25. So April. you've come to Australia, you've had to learn a new language, your English is quite good now, um, you've made plenty of sacrifices, then you, you've made a move from Townsville down to Penrith. How has that been? And still, every day, you're still showing signs of really wanting to do it. Where, how, how high are you aiming? Like you're already, in my opinion... You have the, the the chance to become one of the most devastating players to ever play rugby league. But are you thinking that? Like, where are you aiming? Like, you've already achieved a very high level. You're the king of Fiji. <laughs> uh, kids yell out your name outside of the bus. But how high are you aiming and what what has it been like coming down to Penrith? Yeah, obviously, I think it was uh, definitely a blessing for me coming from Fiji to Townsville. Because um, Townsville was a bit uh, cruisy for me. Uh, I was a bit laid back. I still had the sun. Uh, the weather was sort of similar. If I if I sort of came from Fiji straight to Sydney, I think I would have lost my way. Uh, Footy-wise, I think Sydney was just a big city for me, for a little kid from a village. But the a move, little big kid from the <laughs> village. <laughs> but the move from Townsville, when I got the opportunity to come here to Penrith, um, I knew it was going to be... Actually, in my head, I was just processing the first day I got to Townsville. I was like, is this going to be another one? Moving down to another new place, uh, trying to get used to new coach, new teammates. Uh, so that was all running in my head. And I just I kept, there's just something in my heart. I just kept believing in myself. If I take another step, because I've done two years in Townsville now, if I just take another, it was just sort of like a leap, leap of faith for me. Uh, I just go by faith as I'm going down Penrith because I hurt my ankle in that when I came down here. So I was in rehab and, yeah, I didn't really get a chance. So I just had that little faith that I'm going to take step by step and hopefully um, before I had my NRL debut, I had no idea. Like, till now, I always talk to my brother on the wheelchair, my brother back home. I was like, do you remember that time that I tell you that I wasn't good enough. I don't know if I was going to make it. That was actually running in my mind at like some stage. Uh, I was just thinking, this looks too hard. This It's like an open grade. Everyone is just bashing each other. I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I can do this. And one thing just, I reckon it just came with experience and sort of doing the training and the preseason and all that. And yeah, 2017, round two, I was lucky enough to get there my shot and so you weren't too sure if you but now your belief seems like it's becoming very powerful like are you believing more and more that like back then you weren't too sure but you just threw yourself out there a leap of faith and and it all turned out mm. um, but now the belief is feeling powerful I wouldn't mind just tapping into that and then also tell me about your brother and tell me about your family and tell me why you play this game. 
Yeah, about that leap of faith, um, I'm starting to, I think I'm just starting to know myself more now as I gain more experience in just about um, getting to where I want to be. I don't think, um, I just want to learn every every single day. Uh, I wake up every morning and some Mondays, Tuesdays are pretty hard to get out of bed and it just comes in the back of my mind. I just think about me as a little kid running up because our house is always on a hill and I used to do this run from the road up to our house just by myself. And then sometimes when I'm playing, just doing little footwork and gooses and calling myself as Jared Hayne or someone like that. So when I wake up every morning, I'm like, I'm, I'm here. I'm here where they were at one stage. So I'm going to make the most of it. That's, I think, one of the biggest things that gets me out of bed and makes me enjoy training. And yeah, I still believe I'm, I'm going to get to my best and I'm going to learn as much as I can. Uh, That's so good. That So you were running up and down the hill on your own, occasionally doing a goosey, <laughs> a footwork, and telling yourself you're Jared Hayne. Do you know Jared Hayne is a listener of this podcast? He is going to love what <laughs> you just heard. Well, that's fantastic. And now there's kids in Fiji saying, I'm going to be kick out, you know? <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. So tell me about your brother and your family. And and obviously, I've seen it in your <coughs> data. I, I, I know already, but the listeners don't know how much your family and why you play the game. And, and you're obviously... Um, very close ties for with everyone back home. You never forget where you come from, but share that share that with the listeners. It's it's be great for them to to hear that. Yeah, um, obviously I'm the youngest of seven in our family, so I got two older brothers and four older sisters. So yeah, they're sort of always uh, keeping me in line whenever they see something I'm not or something I'm doing that's not right, they always give me lines. So I'm pretty blessed to have um, older sisters and older brothers in my life. And obviously mum and dad back home right now. And yeah, it was pretty tough for them raising seven seven kids. Uh, I don't really know how they did it. They sort of, um, they didn't really work. Uh, so it was, I don't even know how they supported all like our school and and everything we did. So they they hold like a special place in my heart, my mum and dad. I really know how hard they work, and um, I would never pay back what what they've done to to all of us. So all I'm trying to do right now is give back to them when they're still alive, because when they when they're gone, there's there's no coming back. And yeah, I got a one of my older brothers live here in Penrith. So that's pretty good. I have a family close, and my brother on the wheelchair is back home. Uh, he's um, he's uh, working in uh, finance back home. Yeah, I think everyone knows um, how close my brother on the wheelchair, Choppy, Choppy was to me. So I did. I uh, actually did that uh, story where I talked about him a little bit. Uh, yeah, he'll. He'll actually hold something, something special about him. He's uh, he's the best footy player out of us three in the family. So growing up, he was 
yeah, there was no Philly at all. There was no Devin. Devin was my older brother. He was always choppy coming up through the ranks. So he was better than you. Yes, yeah, so he was good in school. Thing is good in school and he was good in footy. Really? So, yeah, he was something special and he got that scholarship to New Zealand uh, for the Hamilton boys in um, in Auckland and, yeah, and just like that, everything just crashed down and... So what happened to him again? So they found, like, a um, tumour on his um, spinal cord and he had to get, like, a spinal surgery, so... Yeah, and he did that back in 2010, I think. Right. So he's been on the wheelchair since then. And, yeah, that was one of the things too because he was the better footy player than me and everyone knows that. You know, everyone that knows us knows that. And, yeah, he tips me a little bit when he watches on TV. Sometimes it's a bit annoying. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> when I think that I've had a good game boy, he's always messaging me on Facebook or something. It's like, oh... He's just gonna run on this, run on this. I was like, yeah, yeah, sweet. But yeah, he, he's um, he's very special to me, and yeah, I only wish that I had a chance to play with him. But unfortunately, I couldn't. So I'm just gonna carry his name proud, for the rest. Huh? Of the... You carry his name. You're doing proud, man. I am. Um, I love, I love that story, and I love you do so much for him and your family. So have you bought uh, mum and dad a house? That was the plan, and build them a house and all that type of. Yeah, uh, after the village and yeah, we said I have a house now, so I just bought them a car last year, I think. Yeah, I think it was the last year, it was a year before. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, that was something big for me. Uh, yeah, I never dreamt of, never ever in my life I've dreamt I could even afford like a little car for myself when. There's a little kid that was, I just see people doing, like, buying cars for their parents and say, wow, this is great, man. This is something special. And our old car was just sitting around home. There was something wrong with it. It's got nowhere corn. So when it rains, the window goes down a little bit. So my dad can just have some air so the it doesn't go foggy on the windscreen. And it was just, um, and excuses coming from mum and dad oh we need this fixed can you send this and this and then I started just sending money and I just thought to myself um, what if I just don't spend all this money sending home and just get them a new car might as well <laughs> don't have to I could have afforded a car like out of all the money I've sent them so yeah I planned it with my, my missus and I called my sister back home and I said oh, I don't want mum and dad to know that I'm going to get them a car so my sister went and did all the paperwork, uh, tested the car, and she said that it was good, it was a really good car. And yeah, it was just the morning that my sister was going to drive it home, I called my mum and dad. And yeah, they just woke up, they were having breakfast. I was about to come to training, and yeah, I just called them on the phone, and I just said, Oh, how's the car going? And my mum said, Oh, we're still waiting for that. Um, that money to fix the <laughs> the aircon, <laughs> yeah. We're still waiting for that. It's just parked here. It's, we can't we can't move. No one can drive it. And I just told them, oh, um, I told I said, um, Dumbul is the name. My sister she said, oh, Debs is gonna um, 
drive uh, your guys' new car this afternoon and drop it over. I've uh, bought you the car. And my dad just lost it. <laughs> he just... Oh, Crying? Yeah. Was he? He just bored out and, yeah. My dad hardly cries those, so that was... That's just seeing special. them cry, I was crying on this side. Yeah. My missus was crying, my mum was crying from the other side too. So, yeah, I would never forget that moment. Awesome. So now I know if I ever want to work you a bit harder, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ring your brother and I'm going to <laughs> tell him to tell Kicks. Because I, I, I know the little switch in you is you do it for them and your brother So I'll, and your brother doesn't mind telling you how to, how to play and how yeah. to get better, hey? So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get his phone number after this, <laughs> after this podcast. But honestly, uh, Kicks... I do want to thank you because um, uh, there's some little bits of gold in there that uh, will always come out. And anyone that's listening that want to share the story is you mentioned sacrifices. You mentioned that little kid playing in the park and running the hill on his own and and uh, there's little messages there. Uh, never, We always talk about never lose the kid in you, like always that, that passion and that wanting to play. Like we yeah. never want to lose that. Um, yeah, like even just going, taking, putting yourself out there, a leap of faith, going to another country and learning a new language. Uh, you're a great story, mate, and you're a great inspiration to so many people. And I, I have a feeling that uh, you may take this podcast... All over Fiji. <laughs> all, all over Fiji because you're honestly you grew up wanting to be like Jared Hayne and now there's kids growing up wanting to be like Liami Kikau. Yeah. How do I say thank you in uh, Fijian? Vanaka. Vanaka. Oh yeah, I know that already. We say that all the time. Bula Vanaka. Um, no, thank you very much, Kicks. Love you, man. Um, and to the listeners. Feel free to share this, send this to anybody. Follow Kicks on his Twitter page and his Instagram page. What's your Twitter page? Where do they find you, Kicks? At? Uh, uh, Twitter at BillKickOut1. BillKickOut. Yeah, and number one. BillKickOut1, yeah. And then Instagram at BillKickOut. Ah, same. Okay. Thanks, man. Vanaka. Cool. Nakahit. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of GTE with Hayden Knowles. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review to help grow the team.